Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Janmadhyasa Janmadhyasya Yatonvayad Itaratas Chartheshva Vignaswarat Janmadhyasya Yatonavyad Itaratas Chartheshva Vignaswarat Tene Brahma Hridaya Adikavaye Mohyanti Yatsuryaha Tene Brahma Hridaya Adikavaye Mohyanti Yatsuryaha Tejo Vari Mridang Yatha Vinimeyo Yatra Trisargo Mrisha Tejo Vari Mridam Yatha Vinimayo Yatra Trisargo Mrisha Dhamna Svena Sadani Rastaku Hakam Satyang Parang Dhimahi Dhamna Svena Sadani Rastaku Hakam Satyang Parang Dhimahi should I read just the first sentence of the purport? No, oh. the first paragraph. Okay. So from the very beginning of this great work, it is very clear that the subject matter is Sri Krishna, the personality of Godhead. From the very beginning also, it's established that herein is not simply dogmatic explanation of the, pers- of the personality of Godhead but in a uh, most scientific and clear manner. From the very beginning also, it's clear that uh, this work is of tremendous import and profundity. This is quite different from any other kind of book or magazine that we might happen to read. What to speak of being different from the uh, mundane literatures common in the world today, Srimad Bhagavatam is even unique among the Vedic literatures. Anyone who reads this and by the grace of Srila Prabhupada and his followers, many, many persons in the world must have read this by now. So anyone who reads this can immediately understand that this literature is in a completely different category to any other literature that they ever read before. Not only is it different, but it is uh, uh, on a fully higher level. Again, uh, even in comparison to the Vedic literatures, it is superlatively greater. Most of the Vedic literatures are uh, concerned with pious activities, karmakanda, and uh, in a higher category than that, is Jnanakanda. The jump from Karmakanda to Jnanakanda is a great one. In the uh, Karmakanda, there is simply discussion of how one can enjoy in this life and the next life by performing pious activities. But the Jnanakanda introduces a completely different outlook. And we receive information uh, that actually there is nothing to enjoy. So the uh, karma kanda, it's actually all cheating. It's calculated cheating because it's supposed to lead the cheated person to the 
next level, Gyanakanda, when he realizes that everything in this world is uh, simply useless. There are so many allurements in the Karmakanda. Become a king, become a Indra. But in the Gyanakanda it says even to become Indra is worse than useless. Because every situation in this material world is simply full of suffering. And so instead of focusing on attaining a supposedly happy position in the next life, it focuses on the eternal. We are eternal. We are not parts of this material world. Our existence is on a uh, much higher level. We are meant to be uh, eternal, never dying. So the Jnanakanda takes us to a different dimension. But here in the Srimad Bhagavatam, we again take a, a quantum leap into another dimension. As the next verse will describe, Dharma projhita, kaitava atra, all kinds of cheating religions are kicked out here. So coming from the Karmakanda to the Jnanakanda, we understand, well, that's, that's imperfect and incomplete. It's just cheating. And when we come from the Gyanakanda to Srimad Bhagavatam, we understand that that's also useless and cheating. It's rejected here. Because simply to negate our material existence and establish that we are eternal is insufficient. Without giving knowledge of Krishna, the Supreme Personality of Godhead, it is also misleading. So here, from the very beginning, the subject matter is established. Krishna. Krishna is not a vaguely conceived of sectarian notion by the name of God. He is not an imaginary uh, or a supreme being who is shaped according to our imagination. God is means the supreme. He is all merciful. He loves us. So his duty is to arrange for our sense gratification in this life and in future. This is the uh, general concept of God that is dreamed up by people who have never read, read Srimad Bhagavatam. That's why Prabhupada, he refused to call his newly incorporated or newly to be incorporated society the International Society for God Consciousness. Because Krishna is not God, not that God that you have dreamed of anyway. If people say to us, I don't believe in God, we can agree with them. I also don't believe in the God which they imagine. We shouldn't believe because that's not actually God. But here is God, supreme personality of Godhead. Otherwise, God is some cosmic order supplier. When you need Him, you pray to Him. And the rest of the time, He's some undefined, impersonal light with love emanating from it. In or undefined love. As they say, God is love. And their understanding is love is sex. So, what does that leave us with? Now, here is clear definition. As Prabhupada said, I'm coming to teach. When Prabhupada first came to London, one challenging journalist asked him, Why have you come here? Prabhupada said, To teach what you do not know. Who is God? And people would say that, Well, no one can say who is God. Prabhupada, say, Prabhupada would say, that, Why do you say no one can? You can't say. That doesn't mean no one can say. If you do not know who is God, I can tell you. Krishna, take it. So here is factual knowledge of the Supreme Personality of Godhead. Scientific knowledge. Scientific means uh, that which can be uh, understood in uh, relationship to uh, other factors. 
that which can be ascertained by its characteristics. So, to some extent, Krishna can be understood like this. As Bhagavatam itself defines, Bhagavat Tattva Vigyanam, scientific knowledge of the personality of Godhead. However, to fully understand anything is not possible by any method. Even by scientific analysis, one cannot fully understand everything about anything. That's even within the material sphere, too. So what to speak about Krishna? He's not fully understandable. But uh, he can be understood to some extent. We can distinguish what are his characteristics compared to the characteristics of everything else and conclude that he is supreme. So first of all, the invocation is made. Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya offering salutations to the Supreme Personality of Godhead who is known as Vasudeva. Now, uh, all the names of the Supreme Lord, they have many meanings. Madhvacharya, Sripad Madhvacharya proposed to explain every one of the thousand names of Vishnu in Vishnu Sahasranam, each name in one thousand different ways. The two principal meanings of Vasudeva are the son of Vasudev, and he who resides everywhere, he who is all-pervading. So this immediately presents us with the dilemma of Krishna, that he is all-pervading, he is the Supreme Personality of Godhead, and he is the son of Vasudev. Son of Vasudev means he's uh, a person, a form situated in one place and not all-pervading, and son of Vasudev means that, well, he's subordinate to Vasudev, then how is he the Supreme Lord? So all this will be explained within the text of Bhagavatam. But from the beginning, we are uh, given a hint that it won't be possible to understand this fully in all respects. And also gives a hint that this is not, just like in the Jnana merely a philosophical work. When we say merely a philosophical work, that sounds as if philosophy is not considered very highly. But from the very from this very first text we can understand what a great philosophical treatise we have ahead of us. There have been thousands and thousands of books written about philosophy. But this one verse is thousands and thousands of times more philosophical than all of those books put together. So when we say this is not merely a philosophical work, it is not to deride philosophy, but to uh, give the understanding that philosophy in itself is not all in all. That he is the son of Vasudev suggests a loving exchange. So the first verse of Bhagavatam gives us a thoroughly philosophical introduction. Mm, with a hint of rasa. The second verse of Bhagavatam describes the glories of this great literature. And the third verse introduces the concept of rasa. Nigamakalpatara galitam palam shukamaka damrita dravasangyatam pibata bhagavatam rasa malayam muhuraho rasika bhuvibhavukaha. This indeed is, as has already been stated in the second verse, this uh, in the third verse states that this is the topmost Vedic literature. And not only is it topmost and greatest, 
because it is Mahamuni uh, Krite, it is compiled by Vyasadeva in his maturity. But it has be- even Vyasadeva's greatest contribution has become enhanced by the contribution of Shukadeva Goswami. And the uh, actual purpose of Srimad Bhagavatam to present Bhakti Ras has been specifically brought out by Srila Shukadeva Goswami. So Ras, or that wonderful exchange that is experienced in loving exchanges with the Supreme Lord, is hinted at in this uh, invocation of Srimad Bhagavatam. But that, uh, the ras is, is quite distinguished from the mundane rasa, and that this is to be understood philosophically, and that the uh, appreciation of bhakti ras is inseparable from the Bhagavad Tattva Vigyana, scientific knowledge of the personality of Godhead. And that this, and that this philosophy is not simply some dry academic philosophy, but it is itself uh, imbued with rasa, without which it is simply useless. All this is suggested in herein. There is uh, much misunderstanding about this. Um, during the time of Srila Bhaktisthansas or Thakur, uh, it was generally considered that, in Bengal and Orissa, it was generally considered that bhakti is just for ignorant people without any philosophy. But... Uh, Srila Bhaktisiddhanta Sartako, personally, through his disciples and through his publications, demonstrated an, a level of philosophical understanding which even many great scholars had to praise. And although there were m- many efforts by mundane scholars at that time to... Uh, show or to, to attempt to show that uh, the teachings of the Gorya Vaishnavas are without philosophy. The but name, especially name the Gorya Vaishnavas. They, they yeah. gave some respect. They thought, well, Madhva, that's philosophical. Ramanuja, Sampradaya, that's philosophical. Gorya, that's just a bunch of village people jumping up and down. So... All such attempts were rebutted in the most philosophical manner. All such attempts to belittle the Gorya Vaishnavas were rebutted by Srila Bhaktisiddhanta Sarasar and his followers in the most philosophical manner. But from the other side, there were the so-called Vaishnavas, those who were being criticized as being non-philosophical. They would criticize Bhaktisiddhanta you're not a devotee, you're just a jnani. What can we understand from this? That uh, there, are all, there are varieties of envious people, that's one thing. And that uh, it's useless to try to dance to the tune of the public. Because if you dance to one tune, then someone else will criticize. The, the public is not unanimous in their taste. So one should just do the needful to please Krishna. It should also be understood that Srila Bhaktisiddhanta or Thakur's extremely complex uh, presentation, a philosophical presentation of Krishna consciousness. I'm just speaking a half sentence at a time. It might be difficult to translate. But if I give a whole sentence, it might be more difficult. What do you want me to do? 
maybe just half sentence. Okay. okay, all right. So it should also, should I say that again? Yes, yes, please. It should also be understood that Srila Bhaktisthan Saraswati Thakur's uh, extremely complex philosophical presentation of Krishna consciousness. It wasn't simply uh, addressing a need for preaching according to time, place and circumstance. But that is his uh, eternal Swarup Lakshana, his, his eternal internal ecstasy of Kirtan in service to the Supreme Lord. Yesterday in the Bhagavatam lecture, Manida Prabhu was emphasizing our own Srila Prabhupada's simplicity and a very clear presentation of Krishna consciousness. Prabhupada presented this philosophy which is actually very, in, in one sense, very deep and very complex. But he presented it in such a way that even people with no background of Vedic philosophy could begin to understand it by his mercy. Otherwise, this is extremely high philosophy, even for Vedic philosophers. This is the summit. Give the translation. Bahunam Janmanamante. After many, many births, one who is actually in knowledge surrenders unto me, Krishna says, knowing me to be Vasudev, all in all. Such a great soul is very rare. And Prabhupada distributed this knowledge freely and widely to people without any idea of any philosophy, not even Mlecha philosophy. Because actually this knowledge of Krishna is not simply philosophy in the sense that we generally understand it. We generally think of philosophy as as an intellectual exercise for people who don't have much else to do. For dreamy people, a small number of people with no practical function in the world. But this philosophy is not that philosophy. That philosophy is an attribute of the ahanka, false ego. All philosophies in this world are manifestos for forgetting and defying Krishna. Everyone wants to show how I'm doing everything, I know everything, I'm doing everything correctly, and no God, no Krishna. Or even if people superficially believe in God, he is uh, like that, a cosmic order supplier. So this philosophy is not a, uh, the philosophy of Bhagavatam is not a mental or intellectual exercise. This philosophy doesn't even have anything to do with the mundane intelligence. It doesn't have anything to do with anything mundane whatsoever. This philosophy is the uh, a natural characteristic of the unconditioned soul. That's why even people with no background of Vedic knowledge, when they read this, uh, if they have some piety, they can immediately wake up because it speaks directly to the soul. The soul actually has no relationship with the mundane, false ego, mind or intelligence. 
So this knowledge of Srimad Bhagavatam is, uh, it has the ability to appeal to all classes of people because everyone has, everyone is eternally related with Krishna. So maybe another day you can go through all the different characteristics of the Supreme Personality of Godhead which are summarized here. This is very important. There's Bhagavatam in a nutshell here in this one verse. You have a, what is it in Croatian? In a nutshell. How do you say that? It's the same saying? It's it's an idiomatic saying. In Sanskritam it's hasta amalaka, to have a an amla fruit in your hand. So, in nutshell, also in similar something. Anyway, what does it matter to me? So, uh, I just want to make sure you get it right. Otherwise, if you translate it literally, then it, it won't have any meaning. So, uh, yeah, we should all know this and study this. Just as Manida Prabhu is always saying, distribute books, distribute books, distribute books. Distribute books! He's smiling, he's pounding, he's somehow or other trying to get the message across. So I shall try to say with it, if, even with at least a thousandth much of that conviction, read Prabhupada's books, read Prabhupada's books, read Prabhupada's books. So, uh, what's that? Are we enemies? We got a different outlook on life here? No, it's the same thing. Because if you read Prabhupada's books, you're definitely going to want to distribute them. And you can't distribute them. You won't get the inspiration to go on distributing them unless you read them. That's all for now. Much more to be said later. Srila Bhaktisiddhanta Thakur spoke on this verse for 30 days, two hours each day. Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna. Can take one question, if there is any question. Hmm. Hmm. Did you get the Did you get the question? I didn't hear. He's saying that we read there's karma kanda, jnana kanda, and upasana kanda, and he's asking, what is 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 there any difference, or is there clearly a difference between upasana kanda and this bhakti? De, yeah, generally it's spoken of as karma kanda and jnana kanda. Generally, we find that worship of demigods generally falls in karma kanda, although it may be within jnana kanda also. And upasana or worship of Krishna only, that is bhakti. And bhakti also includes karma and jnana, but not the karma and jnana of the karmis and the jnanis. But exactly that I'll have to. One of those 20,010 points that needs to be researched. <laughs> what exactly is this Upasana Kanda? Actually, it's mentioned in Prabhupada's books, but I, exactly what the, if the, it doesn't seem to be exactly the same as Bhakti. And in the, uh, tradition, and in the traditional descriptions of Vedic literature, it, it's... Generally, we find karma kanda, jnana kanda, like that. We don't find. So this probably, re- sorry, so it probably requires looking into the uh, purports of Bhagavatam. I mean, in the uh, the 
ancient Sanskrit commentaries. Because many things which Prabhupada writes, he takes from the commentaries of the previous, mostly takes from the commentaries of the previous Acharyas. And some things, um, if Prabhupada summarizes it and we don't know the context, then it may, it may appear obscure to us. And also because these commentaries, they're, they're written for people with a, what from our perspective is a tremendous uh, background of knowledge of Sanskrit, culture, philosophy, history, and so many things. So if you like, you can write to me and uh, I can try and get some further insight on that. There are actually many, many points if you, for research, and it's unending. <laughs> but it is good that we should understand all we can't fully understand everything, but that we should have a clear understanding of all the statements that Ali. Prabhupada makes. Yeah. Well, that's Panchopasana. Yeah, Panchopasana, yeah. But that, that I, I'm not sure if that's what, I don't think that's what Prabhupada equates with Upasana Kanda. Again, you know, it's it's a vast culture and we have to look into it. And you'll probably find, just like for instance, um, you know, what maybe what the Madhvas say is Upasana Kanda and what the Ramanujas say is something quite different. Just like the Ramanujas say that when Krishna says Sarvadaman Prajaja, that means also to give up Bhakti Yoga. They have a c- completely different definition of Bhakti Yoga. Next. So like I was saying, Prabhupada, he took the essence and made it very simple for all of us. Whereas Srila Bhakti has done so, so he was dealing with people who even there were many ordinary, what we would call ordinary people who had what would be nowadays considered vast knowledge of Vedic philosophy. So they're... they're no. yeah. Excuse me. Yeah. Nowadays, there, you know, there may be few hundred pundits throughout the whole of India, people who have studied to some extent the Vedic literature. But in those days, there were, even in those days, there were many, many thousands. So even in Bengal, there were thousands. And nowadays, you, I, don't th- I, don't, I don't think there's even one. There's an in- extinct species in Bengal altogether. So uh, anyway, this kind of challenge comes up. I mean, th- this wasn't a challenge where these kind of philosophical points come up and up. We have to actually... Uh, Face them. It's not that everyone in the movement has to face them, but someone has to face them. So it's required. So it's required that some devotees become uh, deeply learned in this philosophy. And in general, uh, I would say our devotees in this part of the world and most part of the world, they need to read Prabhupada's books significantly more than it appears they're doing at present. Hare Krishna. Srimad Bhagavatam ki jai. His Divine Grace, Srila Prabhupada Ki Jai.